Episode 15, My Personal Board of Directors. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 15 of The John Becker Show. I cannot believe that I have been doing this consistently for 15 weeks. I'm excited that I have, and I am so glad that you're listening. It's a snowy November day here in Northwest Indiana, and you know, it just doesn't seem fair. It's not December yet. We haven't even had Thanksgiving, and we're looking at three to six inches of snow today. I hope that the weather is warmer and nicer wherever you are. This week's quote of the week is actually two quotes. They are both so similar, and they both carry such meaning for me that I could not decide between the two, so I decided to do them both. The first quote is, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. And the second quote is, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors there is safety. Now, if you recognize those quotes or if you think they sound familiar to you, that's probably because you're familiar with the book of Proverbs in the Bible. Those are both Proverbs. The first one is from Proverbs 15, verse 22, and the second one is in Proverbs 11, verse 14. And the simple idea is that when we try to make decisions and do things on our own without seeking the wisdom or the counsel of other people, we are bound to fail. Or at the very least, we're certain to screw it up somehow. And I know this has been the case for me many, many times. I find that when I decide to do something and I haven't thought it through and talked it through with the counsel of other people that I respect, I am more likely to screw it up than to get it right. So today's episode is called My Personal Board of Directors. And the idea behind that is that I want to share a little bit with you about the people that I go to when I need wise counsel. I think it's very important that we all have a group of people that we seek out when we need good input, valuable insights, and wise counsel. They need to be people that are of a similar mindset to us. So for me, as a Christian, that means that I'm going to seek out people to give me wisdom who are going to offer it to me from a biblical perspective. I know that some of you out there are not Christians and you still have a moral code or a set of values that you adhere to. And so for you to seek out wise counsel, you need to find people who share a similar value set to you. So I want to talk a little bit about these people that are on my own personal board of directors. I would encourage everyone to find that group of people, seek them out, identify them clearly, and let them know that they are someone whose insight you value and that you are going to be asking them for input when you have large decisions to make. When you select your board of directors, you need to be certain that they know that they are free to tell you exactly what they truly believe even if it might hurt your feelings. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a brother. Of course, that simply means that if somebody that loves us tells us something, even if it hurts our feelings, or if it isn't what we want to hear, we can trust that because they're telling it to us because they care. And so as you seek out a group of advisors, you need to make sure that these are people whose opinions you trust and value and that you're not going to hold it against them if they tell you something that you don't want to hear. 
As a married man, the most important person on my board of advisors is, of course, my wife, Kate. And I am really fortunate because I married a woman who is so much smarter than I am. And I've told her that for years, and she just kind of kind of shrugs it off and laughs and says, yeah, right. But here's the reality, folks. I'm a math teacher. I can teach calculus, but I cannot balance my checkbook. And I married a woman who has a degree in bookkeeping. And she does all of our bookkeeping, and she does all of our checkbook balancing. My wife is very, very intelligent. But it's not just about her intelligence. It's about her common sense. It's about her practicality and the way that she can look at nearly any issue and provide a balanced perspective. She and I really do balance each other out very well. And any time that I am going to make any kind of decision or I am thinking about making a decision, she is obviously the person I go to first. Now, by the way, for those of you who are married, one of the things that Kate and I adhere to, one of the policies that we follow, is that when a large decision has to be made, we have to both agree. And if one of us disagrees, then we don't make that decision. We call it the two yeses or one no policy. So if we want to make a large purchase and one of us just doesn't feel right about it and says, no, I don't think so, then we don't do it because we trust one another. Kate actually gave me that kind of insight when I was thinking about recording my audiobook recently. I, I shared this with you in a previous podcast, but she told me that I should not hire someone to do the audiobook for me, that I should record it myself. It would save us some money, but more importantly, she thought that it would be more authentic to have my readers read a book or listen to a book that I was reading aloud. Initially, I thought, well, you know what? I don't really have the time to record an audiobook, and it would really be easier if I could just pay somebody to do it. But as I thought about it more, I realized that she was right, and so I'm going to be recording that audiobook myself, hopefully in December. That's my goal. But anyway, she told me that she didn't think I should do something. I didn't really want to hear that from her. But I recognized after the fact that she was right, and I was grateful for it. And of course, after 32 years of marriage, uh, we feel that we have the right to speak directly into one another's lives without fear that we're going to hurt the other person's feelings. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't times where we might get a little bit wounded, but we know that the other person is coming to us out of love, not out of any personal agenda. So if you are preparing to put together your own personal board of advisors and you are married, the first person on that board needs to be your spouse. I'm also um, honored, not quite the right word, I am blessed. Yes, I am blessed to have an incredible group of men that I rely on on a regular basis for wisdom. I actually meet with a group of guys every Friday morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, and we spend an hour and a half or so just holding one another accountable, encouraging one another, just being uh, iron sharpening iron, as the Bible says. And I am so blessed to have this group of guys in my life. They are named Tom, Larry, Mark, and Russell. And every once in a while, Brian comes along, but Brian hasn't uh, been able to make it a lot. Brian has nine kids, all under the age of 12. So Brian is a busy guy. And I miss Brian. If he's listening to this podcast, I would love for him to get his butt back to our Friday morning group. But anyway, Tom, Larry, Mark, and Russell are four men whose wisdom and counsel I rely on regularly. 
These guys are incredible. I could not have hired a more high-quality group of people. No amount of money could have gotten me a group of guys like these guys. Uh, Larry is my accountant, actually, and uh, I hired him as my accountant after getting to know him on a personal level. Mark is my chiropractor, and Russell is, well, formerly my attorney, but Russell is such a smart guy that he recently was appointed as a judge in our county, and so he no longer practices law. He adjudicates upon the law. And Tom is a gifted craftsman. He is also one of the best dads that I've ever met in my life. And I struggle with comparison sometimes when I compare myself to other people. And Tom is one of those guys that when I look at his kids and I look at his devotion to his kids, I sometimes wish that I was a better dad. He's an incredible guy. But any time that I have to make any kind of decision of any import, I bring it to that Friday morning group. And I lay it on the line and the funny thing is that those guys will give it back to me just as much as I dish it out at them. I'm a bit of a comedian, as you guys probably know, just from listening to me a little bit. And they dish it right back at me. But when it comes down to the bottom line, when it, times to get, when it comes time to get serious about what's going on in my life, these guys offer me incredible wisdom and insight that I could not get anywhere else. And the important thing, of course, to me is that all four of those guys love the Lord Jesus Christ with all their hearts. And so when they bring wisdom to me, when they offer me wise counsel, it's coming from the perspective from the same set of values that I have for myself. So it's really important that you align yourselves with a group of people who have similar values. You know, Jim Rohn once said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I just mentioned five people, my wife and my four good friends that I meet with every Friday morning. And if I could just be the average of those five people, I would be so much better off than I feel like I am sometimes. So I want to encourage you to think about that. I want you to think about the people that you spend the most time with. I want you to think about the people that you go to for wisdom and advice And I want to encourage you that if you don't have a personal board of directors, you should probably get one. Now, guys, your board of directors should be another group of guys, other than your spouse, of course. And uh, for any ladies out there who might be listening, your board of directors needs to be another group of like-minded women. In addition, of course, to your husband, if you're married. It's very important that you align yourself with people who are uh, thinking alike not just from a spiritual perspective or from a values perspective, but also that they're wired the same way that you are. And so it's really helpful to have people of the same gender to rely on for your board of directors. Now, I want to stress, and this is so important, that wisdom ultimately comes from God. Wisdom does not come from man. Now, it's important that we seek out that wise counsel, but we need to look to God to understand it. And that's why it's so important for me to have Christian counselors, as I already said, is because they've already kind of been vetted through the process, if you will, by by being believers. Their wisdom comes from a spiritual perspective already. But I want to remind you that wisdom is from the Lord. 
Isaiah 48, 17 says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. That's pretty clear. God is ultimately the one who is going to lead us the way that we need to go. We need to read the Bible in its totality, not just select bits and pieces from the Bible and apply it to our lives. And I think that's what happens quite often when people who aren't Christians look at the Bible and say, well, it says this, but then it says that. So how can the Bible be accurate? We need to understand the Bible in its totality, and we need to take it as an entire document, not just as bits and pieces that are thrown together. So in Proverbs, we're told that we need to seek wise counsel. And then in Isaiah, the word says that God is the one who leads us in the way that we should go. Those two are not mutually exclusive. Seeking wise counsel from other people does not mean that we are not following uh, God in the way that he's going to lead us. God also reminds us in Psalm 32 that he is the one that, that wisdom comes from. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. God is watching us. God is looking over us. He wants us to make wise decisions. And sometimes the wise counsel that that, uh, we receive from other people is God's way of giving us the wisdom that we need. In the book of James in the New Testament, for those of you who might say, well, you're just quoting a whole bunch of Old Testament scripture. Well, let's look at James 1 verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. God is the author of wisdom. Just because we seek wise counsel from other people does not mean that we are ignoring God's wisdom. In fact, as I said, God will often use other people to bring his wisdom into our lives. So when I seek the wisdom of my board of directors, I will pray over that first. I'll pray for direction. I'll ask God to provide godly wisdom through the counsel of those other people. And after I've sought that wisdom and after I've weighed it, I will go back in prayer again to God and say, okay, this is what I feel like I'm sensing. This is the direction that I want to go. Please affirm it or please disaffirm it. And sometimes I won't have a clear idea of what it is that God wants me to do. Sometimes I won't feel like I know the exact direction to go. But what I've learned over the years is that if I take a step out in faith and I'm stepping in the wrong direction, God's going to close a door. As long as I'm being obedient to him, as long as I'm trying to genuinely discern the direction that he is taking me, if I step out and I make a step in the wrong direction, he is going to lovingly bring me back into the right direction. Now, if I decide that I want to do something and I don't care what everybody else is saying and I don't care what God is prompting me to do and I'm going to do this anyway, God might just decide to let me step out in the wrong direction and fall flat on my face so that I will learn that I need to rely on him. I'm grateful that I seem to do that less and less as I get older. I feel like as I spend more time in the Word and spend more time with other Christians that I'm becoming more wise, that I'm discerning God's will for my life a little bit more clearly. And most importantly, I feel like I'm starting to sense when I might be heading in the wrong direction. And then, of course, I can go to that personal board of directors and I can ask their input. And more often than not, that wise counsel that I receive from many people ends up being right. So I'm grateful for that. 
you know, God didn't create us to live in a vacuum. He didn't create us to live alone. He created us to to live in community with one another. And why would he want us to live in community with one another if he didn't want us to rely on one another, to spur one another on, to encourage one another when we need it? So I want to ask you again, who are on your who is on your board of directors? Who are the people in your life that you go to for wisdom? The people that you ask questions of and you know that even if they hurt your feelings they're going to tell you the truth. Don't seek out people who are just going to affirm you in everything that you do. You don't want a bunch of yes men or yes women on your board of directors. You know, if you apply this idea of a board of directors to Companies, which of course is where the the concept comes from, most companies that fail are companies where the CEO has a bunch of people on his board of directors who tell him that everything he does is perfect and is, is afraid to push back on any ideas they disagree with. Those are the companies that often end up going down the tubes. You want a group of people who care about the same thing you care about and are willing to tell you when they think that you're getting it wrong. So look in your life. Look at the people in your life. Seek out your friends. Maybe there are people in your group that you admire but you don't know well and you'd like to get to know them better because you think they might be someone that you could rely on as a member of your board of directors. Ask that person out for coffee and learn a little bit more about them. It's important that you get people around you who will help you and give you good wisdom. I cannot think of too many successful people, genuinely successful people, who have achieved their success by doing it all on their own. I want to provide an update on something that I've been working on for the past couple of weeks. If you listened to episode 13, you know that a couple of weeks ago in October, I went to a conference in Columbus, Ohio, that was being hosted by my publisher. Carrie Oberbrunner is the CEO of the Igniting Souls Tribe, and he has a number of companies under that umbrella, one of which is Author Academy Elite. And Author Academy Elite is the publishing company that published my first book. At the conference on the Saturday night, Carrie, as he was bringing the evening to a close, he set out a challenge for all of us. He said, What could you do to transform your own self-image if you went nuts on one thing for 30 days? And I chewed on that question and I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I bet that if I went nuts for 30 days and really focused on one thing, I could get this thing done. And so I decided to write a book. So I have been working on a manuscript for a new book. And for those of you who are not authors you might not realize that writing a manuscript for a book in 30 days is nuts, which is why I figured I'd go nuts on it. It's pretty much a crazy idea. There are authors who write books, and they will take months and months or even years to get a manuscript together before they submit it for publishing, um, going through the editing process and publishing and so forth. But I really felt uh, led to write this book. I felt like it was a prompting from God, and I decided that I was going to do that. So my goal for the month of February, not February, my goal for the month of November, the month we're currently in, is to write 
a 50,000-word book, which is a reasonable-sized book. My first book, The Flunked Out Professor, is 43,000 words. I envision this book being just a little bit longer than that. So I'm shooting for 50,000 words by the end of November. Now, as of yesterday, November 10th, I have written 25,011 words. (laughs) 25,011 words so far on that new book. So I'm halfway done with my goal. Now, that doesn't mean that the moment I... Uh, type in my 50,000th word that I will put the end, of course. But I do envision that it's going to be in that neighborhood of 50,000 words or so. And I am over halfway to my goal in just a third of the month. So I'm really excited about that. Now, I had to go nuts early in the month because uh, November is about to get very busy for me. I'm going to be speaking at a teaching conference in Indianapolis this coming weekend. That's going to take a couple of days away from my writing. And then I'm going to be visiting a couple of rotary clubs over the next few weeks to uh, share my book and share my story. And so those speaking events are going to take some time. Oh, yeah, and there's also Thanksgiving in there as well when I'll be spending time with my family. So there are some days coming up where I'm going to be able to do very little, if any, writing. And I need to keep going nuts. But I heard from some of you who reached out and encouraged me about that book, and so I wanted to give you that update, that I'm at 25,000 words, and by next week at this time, I'd like to be well over 30,000 words, and I will provide that update for you as well. And since we're talking about going nuts for 30 days, what is it that you could accomplish if you just decided to go crazy and focus on one thing for 30 days or so? You know, we're coming up on the new year, and It's hard to believe 2019 is drawing to a close. It's time to start thinking about the things that you want to accomplish in 2020. Uh, Perfect vision for 2020 is something that I've seen put out there uh, quite a bit by pundits and so forth. But I would encourage you to be thinking about your goals for 2020. Do not think of them as New Year's resolutions. Don't set a bunch of resolutions that are probably going to fall by the wayside in uh, February. Instead, think about some goals that you can work on throughout the year that by the end of 2020, you will have accomplished some amazing things, and then break them down into smaller stretch goals, 30-day goals, and so forth. Be thinking about this, folks. The new year is right around the corner, and you don't want to get to the end of December and suddenly think, oh my gosh, what can I accomplish next year? I haven't given it any thought. I would encourage you, start thinking about those things now. I've already started putting together my list of goals for 2020, and we're still a month and a half, more than a month and a half away from the new year. It's not too soon to get started thinking about your goals. This episode of The John Becker Show is being brought to you by our sponsor, Crown Media Group. Is your brand marketing stale? Does your website need a makeover? Then head over to my friends at crownmediagroup.com. They do spectacular work at affordable prices, and they have the best customer service in the industry, bar none. Check them out today. Hey, friends, that's all the time we have for this episode of The John Becker Show. I want to thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, I would love it if you would head on over to iTunes and give us a like and a subscribe. That's going to increase our visibility, and other people will be able to find our show and benefit from it as well. Again, I want to remind you to be thinking about what it is that you want to accomplish in 2020. Start putting that list together. And if you would like to share that with us, send me an email at johnrbecker.com and tell me what your goals are for 2020. 
there's still time to claim some victories in 2019 as well. There's still a month and a half left and you can finish some things up, finish the year strong and get ready for a powerful 2020. I'll talk to you next week.